Good evening. Good evening, man. It's great to be back uh, with you guys on uh, live on Facebook, uh, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, if you're not able to listen to us live. But uh, welcome to the Cutting Edge Podcast. Pastor Terrence Williams with you. Uh, we're streaming live tonight on Facebook, and I already told you we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So please like and share this live stream so that more people can can access this podcast. Uh, we had a great audience last week as we uh, begin to talk about uh, deliverance. Some of the some of the uh, scriptures concerning deliverance, whether a Christian uh, can be possessed of a demon, all those different things. Uh, the modern there's a modern uh, resurgence uh, of thought around that. And so we felt like it was uh, a good topic to, for us to for us to talk about. So um, we're, we're at it again this week. Uh, again, this is the Cutting Edge podcast. I'm going to give you my normal in, my normal opening. Uh, Hebrews 4.12 declares that the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two edged sword, dividing asunder soul and spirit, bone and marrow down to the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's how important the word of God is. Uh, in our lives. This show is aimed at viewing our culture and events in culture through the lens of scripture, through a biblical worldview. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and 17 says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Other other translation says is God breathed. Uh, all scripture is God breathed and given uh, as profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I am committed with this podcast to have discussions and to invite guests to discuss cultural topics and events. We must, as I say all the time, as pastors and leaders, we must make ourselves available for all discussion topics, lest we leave our people uh, to to the ideologies and, 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 and indoctrination of the world. Either we're going to disciple them or see it, CNN and mass media is going to disciple them. Uh, false teachers are going to disciple them. Uh, the views of the world, the secular humanist views of the world are going to disciple. Them. We have to be diligent to, to guard our post as pastors and leaders, and we must be the ones discipling and indoctrinating those who are under our care and not the world. So this is the goal and the mission of Cutting Edge. Uh, again, welcome tonight. Uh, and sh again, share this if you can. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, we It's not just because we want a bunch of viewers. It's because the subject matter, I think, is very, very uh, pertinent to what's going on in the world today. Uh, as we're going to see more and more uh, manifestations of the demonic uh, manifesting themselves uh in the heavenlies and 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 it's just good to know uh what's going to be real versus what uh is not real so uh we're going to begin tonight and show you a, a short clip a short reel uh of a deliverance service that was going on and uh let you see for yourself and we're going to talk, talk about that and then we're going to end up we're going to we're going to just go through some scripture together and I'll bring on Pastor Matt after this clip. 
not have her. Take everything that you gave her and leave her life. I break your hold. You have no more assignment. I disconnect you from her life. I disconnect you from her body. From this second forth, you will no longer torment her. You will not kill her. You will not change her. She belongs to the Lord. You cannot have her. You cannot have her. Release her now. I said go. On three, you go to the pit. You will not go to her family members. You will not go to this family. You leave this family now. You leave this family now. I break the witchcraft. I destroy you. I disconnect you. Out, out, out. Help her, help her, help her, help her. Help her. Out, get out. Get out. 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 All of it. Come out of this body. Come out of this body. Get out of this vessel. Get out of this body right now. She belongs to Jesus. Spirit of death, I cancel you. In the name of Jesus. Well, you know, that's an example of uh, a lot of deliverance ministry uh, that goes on, you know, with the, uh, the, the vomiting into a bag. Uh, and, you know, it's not something that we see in Scripture. Uh, and, you know, we're not going to really focus on that tonight so much as we are going to focus on uh, breaking down Scripture uh, of what what how to how to guide you scripturally into the truth, uh, not necessarily dealing with things that are uh, are falsehoods. So uh, at this point, I'm going to bring on my guest tonight. Uh, Pastor Matt is with me again tonight. Pastor Matt Colvin of uh, of Afton Chapel and the Prayer Room, uh, downtown Waynesboro. A great ministry uh, uh, that goes on down there, feeding the homeless, uh, teaching, uh, worship, prayer, just getting in God's presence. So it's great to have you back again, my brother, tonight. Pastor Matt, go Thanks, ahead, take it, take it away. Amen. Um, first off, I just want to say that we are not deliverance professionals. We are not theologians of demons and deliverance. What we are is pastors that have a heart, a shepherd's heart for the sheep. So that's what we're here to do. Um, starting off, I just felt the Lord prick. I was in a, a time of prayer earlier and I felt the Lord prick me to go to a verse of scripture. It's in the gospel of John chapter six, verse 63. If we could turn there. For this verse, I'm reading out of the New King James. It says this. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. I want to focus on that first phrase. The Holy Spirit really pricked my heart with this. I meditated on this for a good half hour or so before we began this. It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I repeat, it is the spirit, the Holy Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. I'll leave it at that. The flesh profits nothing. There's no profit in us trying to conjure up things or trying to get emotional or passionate in the flesh because the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit who gives life. So before I begin, I'd like to just close our eyes, if you would. 
I would like to ask the Holy Spirit now to just take over this podcast. If you would just close your eyes wherever you're at, like I teach at the prayer room, just give God all of your attention. Put away all distractions. Psalms 46.10 says, Be still and know that I'm God. There's so many voices out there on media, social media, television, radio, all these different, you know, voices are out there. Sometimes you just have to be still and listen for the Spirit. So, Lord, we love you. We honor you. We exalt you. We praise your name. Mm. We ask you to have your way tonight. We have no other agenda than just to please you, Lord. To honor you with what we say, the way we say it. Let our speech be seasoned with salt, that it may bring grace to the hearers, Lord. And Lord, above all, just touch your people now. Let them feel your manifest presence, your peace that surpasses understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 After last week and discussing with a few people, I do have friends that actually believe this other way. And like I've tried to make clear from the beginning of last week, this is not an us versus them. This is not we're right, you're wrong. It's none of that. It's let's see what the Bible says. We happen to believe that the Bible says a specific thing about this area of deliverance. And all we want to do now is gaze in the scriptures. Um, it's interesting. The apostles never prayed for the removal of darkness. They prayed for the impartation of light. I heard one guy, one brother say that we don't go into a dark room and get five gallon buckets and, and, and scoop up the darkness and throw it out the window. No, we turn on the light switch. We turn on the light switch. That's how you expose and expel darkness. What Terrence and I wish to do in these three-part series, this is part two, is to simply turn on the switch. We want to turn on the light switch. But um, just to clear up a few things from last week. Why? Because the, pre the flesh profits nothing. And I, in my passion for this topic and my passion for the hearts of people that have been deceived by this, um, may have misspoke last week a few times. And I just want to clarify it. I want to humble myself and I want to clarify that I'm not a theologian. I don't always get it right. We don't get it always right. Only he gets it right all the time, 100% of the time. So in one statement in the very beginning of the episode last week, I was discussing epistemology. And I met, someone had confronted me about comparing this teaching, perhaps, to Mormonism. No, no, no. That's a misunderstanding of what I was saying. Last week in the show, in the first part, I was discussing epistemology. That's how we know what we know. And I was discussing specifically, we can't know by experience alone. But why can't we know by experience alone? Because the Mormons have an experience. They have a burning in their bosom. The Hindus, the Jehovah Witnesses, I went through all these different ones. They have an experience. And because of that, they, they believe a certain thing. They base truth on experience. Even Christians in this area are guilty of this very thing. Even though this text doesn't say anything about a Christian having a demon, being possessed by a demon and dwelt by a demon in any way, because we had an experience or we had a friend that had an experience where they went to a service, threw up in a bag, coughed, whatever it was. We're not here to make fun. We're here to talk seriously about this topic. Whatever it was, someone had an experience that seemed to free them, seemed to make them free. 
and they believe that's how they base truth. We can't base truth on experience, but, for, but, but that's one thing. So I apologize for any misunderstanding. I'm not comparing that to Mormonism. We, this is a family meeting. This discussion, whether or not a Christian can have a demon, in my opinion, is an in-house debate. It's a family meeting. This has no bearing necessarily on whether or not you're a Christian, saved or unsaved. That's, that's not the case here. We are talking about something that is a peripheral issue, although we believe, or we wouldn't be doing the show, that it's a very important issue. I believe it can harm people if not taught properly. Although that's the case, it's still a peripheral issue. Much like the gifts of the Spirit, once saved, always saved, Calvinism, Arminianism, eschatology, all the different views, much like that, it's in the same box. It's in that same peripheral um, thing. So let's just get that out of the way. We're all brothers and sisters. We're not here to throw darts or throw rocks at anyone or to attack anyone. We're here to simply see what the Bible says. Because we have a revelational epistemology, all that matters is what God said. What does the Bible say? I believe things because the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me because the Bible tells me so, right? This is how we believe. The second point I want to bring up that I do regret saying, and once again, the, pre- the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that gives life. And in my zeal last week, as I was talking about this system of having to renounce things and having to w- not open doors and having to watch this and that, I called it a works-based system and a false gospel which put the teaching outside of orthodoxy, which will put the people that believe this outside of the faith. So I repent of that. I renounce that, um, that statement I made that this is a false gospel. However, I do believe if taken to a logical conclusion and we begin to live a life as a Christian in a works-based system where we have fear and panic and paranoia and anxiety trying to trying to make sure we don't have a demon here and there, and then next week I've got a demon, and this week I don't, and I'm clean. If we try to get, we can get trapped in that works-based performanceism, that performance-based system, and we end up in the Galatian heresy, where Paul said in Galatians 3, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, that you began in the spirit, are you now going to be made perfect by the flesh? You, that Jesus saved you by the spirit. He got you in. Now, are you going to stay in and be kept in by the works of your flesh? No. That's all I was saying. That is a false gospel. It's a works-based gospel. But I just wanted to clarify that about the Mormon statement and about the false gospel statement. We are brothers and sisters. And this, this talk tonight and, the next, and next week also is an in-house family debate. It's an intramural, you know, it's between us between family and friends. I have people I care about, people I love, people I do ministry with that embrace that a Christian in some way, not possession, but in some way can indwell the flesh or the soul, all these different ways of talking of a Christian. I disagree, and I believe the Bible disagrees. But nevertheless, we are brothers in Christ. You're my sister in Christ, my brother in Christ, my fellow pastor in Christ, and this is not meant to divide the Word of God brings unity. The Spirit brings unity. Although the truth sometimes does divide, we don't divide. That's not my intent or Terrence's. What do you say, Terrence? Amen. Uh, That's true. Uh, At the end of the day, uh, we have to base our viewpoint on the foundation of God's Word. 
and we have the Holy Spirit to confirm his word uh, in us. And that's always been my go to the word and the spirit uh, is, is just the combination that we've been given from Jesus through our new birth. Uh, we've been regenerated. And when Jesus, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going away to send, you know, it's good. It's better for you that I go away, that I send a comforter. And so he sent the Holy spirit. So not only do we have the testimony of Jesus, not only do we now have the written word, but we also have the same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead dwelling in our mortal bodies. And so that, that in itself makes us, uh, a different, a different, uh, a different kind of being. Uh, we're no longer, uh, we're no longer slaves to sin. Uh, we're no longer sinners. We are now saints. We are now set apart for his kingdom. If the blood of Jesus, if the blood of Jesus, if you've, if you've received the blood of Jesus, uh, as the sacrifice for sin and you put your faith in his finished work, then you are a new creature. You are a new creation in Christ. And so the old has passed away. And I said this the other week, no matter what's going on in your family, whatever happened in your family line, I had drug use in my family line. I had alcoholism in my family line. Uh, who knows? I didn't, I, I, I don't have to go and dig up and try to find out everything that was going on in my family history. All I know is, is that I have a new father. His name is uh, God almighty. And, and, and my relationship with him is through Jesus Christ. I have, um, I have a new bloodline that I've entered into. I'm in the same bloodline as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am mm, a king's amen. kid. I am, you know, and, and, and what this boils down to and what we're going to talk about mostly tonight uh, for our listeners uh, listening, we're going we're gonna to talk about identity. Who are you? Because that's the way you defeat the enemy. What did the enemy do in the garden when Adam and Eve uh, were in the garden? He came to them and he said, did God really say? He, they got, they, he, the serpent got Eve and then Adam to doubt the very words that God had spoken to them in the garden. And, and yeah. he appealed to their flesh and told them that, you know, the tree was 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 good to eat it was one, it was able to make one wise and it would and it would make them like god he appealed to their flesh and so that that is what the fall came from and the fall was not just us uh, obviously sin brought death but it also brought uh it killed the identity because we were breathed in by god it killed who we were and and we were we were unregenerate we were unredeemed we were lost. And so what Jesus did, what Jesus did and, and, and going to the cross for us, he brought us, not only he redeemed us, but he also gave us the ability to, to step back into the God, the, the identity that God breathed into man at creation. And so we can recapture that. We have to learn to function in it and walk in it uh, because it's so very important. And uh, that's, that's really what we're going to talk about tonight. We're not necessarily going to deal with uh, devils and all that stuff because we believe that we have uh, ability. Uh, the scripture says that that we have authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. So I don't have to fear anything that's under my feet. Uh, 
I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So if I'm seated in, in heavenly places with Christ, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father, everything else is beneath my feet because I'm seated with him. Yeah. So I don't have to fear. He's not giving me a spirit of fear. There's another scripture. But he's given me power, mm -hmm. love, power, and a sound mind. So why am I going to worry about a demon? Why am I going to worry about the demonic realm? My life yeah. is to expose them and point out their schemes to others who are not seeing them. Uh, that is that is what our job is to do. Our job is to preach the, the, the light of the gospel, which brings you into a relationship with God. And yes, according to Ephesians 5.11, we are to expose the darkness. We're not to have anything to do with the unfruitful works of darkness, but we are called to expose them. And so we're, we're, we're going to expose him tonight just by telling you who you are in Jesus Christ and breaking every chain of bondage in your life, I believe, Amen. if you if you will. Amen. Yeah. Um, on the piggyback on what you said about Eve in the garden, how the first thing the serpent did was he identity. He knows if he can get your identity, who you are and the core of who you are, he's got you. Same thing happened to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. What happened in the wilderness? What did he do? He went after identity. If you be, if you are the Son of God, turn this stone to bread. If you are the Son of God, cast yourself. If you are. That's the whole thing. If you are. If you are. Um, a, a, teacher that, a teacher that's dead now, but he wrote a book called The Kingdom of the Cults, Dr. Walter Martin, used an analogy about this topic about cults and about the demonic and all these things. And he talked about money. He talked about bank tellers and he talked about how a bank teller, when they train you to recognize counterfeits, they don't give you a bunch of different counterfeits and say, here, examine the counterfeits here, feel how that feels and look how that looks like and hold it up to the light and let's really get examined. Let's really get trained on the counterfeits. No, that's not how they train bank tellers, Terrence. The way they train bank tellers is they get them so familiar with the real they let them handle real money so much that when a fake bill comes through their hands, oh, that's fake. Oh, that's counterfeit. As soon as they touch one or see one, they know it's counterfeit. Our goal is not to examine. And if I want to know about the demonic realm, or I want to know how to defeat the demonic realm, or I want to get involved in all these things, I don't study the demonic. I don't go looking at the demonic. I don't study the counterfeit. I study the, I study the real. I study the real money. And this here is real money. This here is the real genuine article, the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit, the way you open this in. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide asunder soul and spirit. So yes, I'm with you on the entire identity thing. You know, a lot of Christians, when they mess up or they make a mistake, they don't realize their identity. So they say, oh, Matt, I'm a fake Christian. I'm being a fake Christian. No, the truth is when you sin, if you're a believer, you're not being a fake Christian. You're being a fake sinner because you're no longer at core a sinner. You have temporarily had an identity crisis. You've temporarily had amnesia and forgotten who you are. You've been raised from the dead. You didn't merely get a pill because you were sick. You were dead. Your spirit, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And Christ Jesus has resurrected you. You've been given a new spirit, a new heart. That spirit that was dead when Adam sinned and, and, and Eve and chose the tree over what God said. They, they began to wean and depend 
upon the tree of knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of life. Jesus Christ now is that tree of life. And he says, come unto me, all you that labor are heavy laden. In fact, in John 6, where I read earlier, he says, feed upon me, eat me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And what he really meant was, and he said, I'm the vine and I'm the branches. What he was saying was connect to me. I am the life source. Everything flows out of me into you. I'm going to restore mankind from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, we get to decide from experience or pragmatics what's good and what's evil. And we can decide in our own hearts what's right. No, we disconnect from that system. And we connect back to the tree of life, Jesus Christ, the God-man. So yes, Terrence, you're right. It's all about identity. Well, you know, and I heard a, I heard a while back a, uh, a definition of sin uh, is mistaken identity. Uh, yeah. and, and it makes sense, you know, because we have been we have been uh, born again. We have been. And uh, Kevin Harris uh, has jumped in on yeah. one of my verses that I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about in a minute. Uh, we must. We must step into our identity and and my my scripture that I've used my whole life, my whole life of ministry from uh, uh, Romans 12, two is that we we cannot be conformed to the world, but we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So basically your job after salvation, because we, we talked about this earlier, Matt, when people get saved, the question should be after you get after you accept Jesus is now what? And here's the now what the now what is you must you must dig into God's word. You must by the spirit, ask the spirit to enlighten, to to uncover, to to open up revelation knowledge of the word of God for you to begin to discover who you are already. That's what let me say that again for you. You're in a process of discovering as a Christian who you are already. God has already made you complete. But you're in the process of sanctification, of discovering who you are. In other words, he's giving you a treasure box and you have to open it and you have to start to discover what's on the inside of the box that he's given you. And you can't be lazy about that. You can't you can't just say, well, I'm just going to go to church and sit on a pew and, and listen to a sermon and go every week. No. You've got to become a follower of Jesus. You've got to become a disciple of Jesus. You must become a learner. You must become a student. You must work out your salvation with fear and trembling before God. You've got to apply this because it's your identity. It's not your pastor's identity in the church that's going to help you in the middle of the night when the enemy is is coming to you with lies. You're not going to be able to go get your worship, uh, get your worship team to come in your bedroom and play music to soothe you uh, uh, to, to make the demonic forces leave you alone. You're going to have to apply it. You're going to have to apply the word of God to your life. You're going to have to dig into the word of God to find out who are you. I've been at this now for 30, for 30, for 32 years. I'm not new at this. And I'm still learning what is word of God, what the word of God says. But if you think it's a, a quick fix, if you think it's something that's just going to you're going to you go to an altar and you're going to give your life to Jesus and bam, your life is going to take off like skyrockets. Uh, I, I hate to disappoint you. You're going to have you're going to spend 
days. You're going to spend hours, minutes, hours, days of applying the word of God, reading the word of God, finding what he's saying to you in the word of God, your inheritance. Uh, let me let me give you one scripture from Revelation one and tell you one thing. Uh, this is this is Jesus. This is the beginning of the book of Revelation. And I'm going to start with verse five. It says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the rule and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us, that's you and me and washed us from our own sins. And has made us in his own blood and he has made us kings and priests to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So when you read that, something should step out to you. Something should something should jump out to you. It says that he washed us in his own blood. So he's redeemed us. He's washed us whiter than snow. He's justified us so that we are no longer sinners. And he has made us kings and priests. A king has authority delegated authority underneath the big king. We're not the big king, capital K king. We are small yeah. K kings in the earth underneath. Uh, we're, we're, we're underneath the big king and we're, we're to go out and, and exercise authority, preach the gospel and uh, make disciples of all nations according to the great commission. And then we're also priests. Well, what is a priest? A priest offers up worship. A priest offered up sacrifices. Well, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. He will not despise. So you right. are to bring your worship yes. to him. You are to bring your brokenness to him and, and, and realize that uh, you're coming to him to discover who you are. You're coming to him to discover uh, things that you don't know. You're coming to him, Lord, reveal to me who you are. Because you have a right as a priest. There is no longer a veil separating the Holy of Holies from the most holy place and the outer court. The veil was torn when Jesus, when Jesus breathed his last and he died, the veil was torn from top to bottom. So there is no longer an Old Testament priesthood. You don't need a high priest to go to God for you. You have you are now kings and priests. I just read it to you. You are now kings and priests of the most high God. You have the right through the blood. You're going to you're going into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. So you are justified just because you're going through Jesus, not because of who you are, because we still sin. But we're going through the blood of Jesus. Think of it. Think of it as going through a car wash. As that water is flowing down and you're going through that car wash, the blood of Jesus is washing you as you go. You're an acceptable sacrifice in his presence. Don't think about what you did wrong. Think about the fact that you're going Jesus to God. Be a man after his own heart like David. David wasn't perfect, but David mm -hmm. was a man after God's own heart. He knew who had the ability to perfect him. It was, it was God. And so you have as kings and priests, the right to go into God's presence. And that is part of your identity. And that's who you are. The enemy can't touch that. And the enemy will get you to doubt and believe that, man, I messed up or I, I had a bad attitude or I said something wrong or I did something wrong. Well, I'm not going to worship God because, you know, I messed up. 
You still got to go through the blood, period. If you have a great week, you still got to go through Jesus to get to the Father. So yes. as a king and a priest, yes. that's how you approach Jesus. You go through the blood of Jesus and you go into God's presence and you are perfectly accepted and perfectly welcome there. As Matt said, come unto me who are all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. I have the rest for you. Yes. Praise the Lord. Uh, piggyback on that once again, Terrence. That's a good one. Um, yeah, we come to God not because we're holy. We come to God to be made holy. The presence of God is not a reward for the holy. It's the source. It's actually how we become holy. You have wounds and sicknesses and weaknesses in your life, maybe an addiction, maybe anger, maybe depression, maybe fear, you name it. You may have something, even as a Christian. This is what the Christian fights, the flesh. We fight sin. We fight temptations. But you may have these things. And, and you look at them as wounds or weaknesses. But I want you to start looking at them as qualifications to go to the great physician. Hey, I'm not qualified to go to the great physician if I'm not sick. It's only when I admit I'm sick, that I'm in need, that I can go to the great physician. Um, the Pharisees and tax collectors grumbled against Jesus. Ugh, he eats with tax collectors and sinners. And he said, only the sick need a doctor. Giving us a key there that he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to those that are willing to say, me too. Here I am in my weakness, my wounds, my sins, my issues. Here I am. We come to a throne of grace, the Bible says, by the blood. We don't come to a throne of judgment, a throne of condemnation, a throne of accusation. That's someone else's throne. That's the enemy's throne. But we don't come to that. We come to God's throne, the throne of grace. But on that scripture in Revelation 1, verse 5, in my Bible, ESV, it says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. That I did a sermon on that a few weeks ago. That word freed us is the same word that Jesus used when he told his disciples to go untie the donkey. So he has untied us from our sins. He's untethered us from our sins. That sin you used to do, or even that current struggle, you're not tied to that. You're not held back by that. Jesus Christ has untied you, has broken the chain, has broken the tether, has freed you from your sin. And it gets even better than that. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Um, excuse me. Not Galatians. Yeah, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have a lot of Galatians. So I got confused there for a minute. Galatians 2, verse 20. I think he has that to pull up in the ESV. Let me show you some more identity and more so about the identity that passed away. And now we have a new identity. Jesus Christ doesn't merely want to change you. He does, but he doesn't merely want to change you. He wants to replace you. He wants to come into your life by the Spirit, through the Word of God. He wants to come into you and live his life through you. So let's read this verse here. I have been crucified, have been, past tense. Don't just read the Bible. Read the Bible until it reads you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. I have been, past tense, crucified with Christ. It is no longer I. That word is ego, E-G-O, ego, ego. We have the ego of man, the ego. My ego has dead. The Adam that they used to call me, Matthew Adam, the matter. Adam, they used to call me the liar, the, the addict, the thief, the, the rude person, the um, fornicator. That Adam, that person no longer lives. That you, that person that's still holding on to guilt and shame for what you did 5, 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and you're still holding on, even though you're in Christ, thinking that that sin somehow can link you to it, and then you can get a demon or an open door through that sin you did long ago. No, you no longer live. You have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Think about this. Christ lives inside of you. Like Terence quoted earlier, Jesus said it'd be better if I go away. In the, in, the, in the New Testament, many people would rather be with Jesus right now and walk around with Jesus. The problem with that is that Jesus was not omnibody. He was not omniscient when he was here on earth. He was confined to a human body. So if he was with you and me, Terrence, he, and he had to leave at some point, he would no longer be with you and me. But now by the Holy Spirit of God, Christ is inside of me. He's inside of you. He's inside of everyone watching right now. He goes to bed with you at night. He wakes up with you. He goes to Walmart with you. He goes to work with you. Jesus Christ lives inside of you. You, the old you, the old addict, the old liar, the old thief, no longer lives. But Christ lives in you. That's amazing. What do you say, Terrence, about that? Oh, man, uh, it's good stuff. Uh, I just, off the top of my head, turn to uh, Romans 8.1. that says, there's therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Mm. For what the law could not do, that it was weak and through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh. And let me let me just let's just talk about that. What, what is walking according to the flesh? It's literally walking under your own power. So, you know. Yeah. You know, you know, right and wrong, you know, morality. So by the power of your flesh, you can do good things. You can walk old ladies across the street. You can uh, see money on the street and, and go return it to, to its owner. You can do good things. But that's through the that's through the that's through the power of your flesh. Well, because of Adam, our flesh cannot profit. Our flesh cannot please God. So no matter everything that you do that's good and through your flesh is not going to be pleasing to God. So Jesus came, the, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from a life of trying to be good enough for a life of me trying to get everything right uh, because I can't do it because that that old man is already uh, that that man has already blew it for me. The first Adam already blew it for me. 
So the second Adam had to come and undo what the first Adam did. And now my faith is no, no longer in the power of the old Adam that, that was in me, but I'm trusting in the new Adam that gave his life for me, his perfect sinless blood in my place. And so there's no condemnation for me because I'm in the new Adam, the one who did everything right, the one who lived sinless, the one who offered his life as a ransom for me, who took my sin, became sin for me, that I might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So your identity is not condemned. Even when you do wrong, run to the throne of grace, run to the presence of God, run into his presence and say, Lord, I blew it, but I know that you can wash me and make me whiter than snow again. I'm not trusting in my ability to get it right. Yes, I blew it. I know I blew it, but I'm not even, tr I'm not trusting in me. I'm believing in you. So I'm coming to you. I'm coming broken to you. I'm coming hurting over how I, how I've wronged you uh, once again in my sin. But I believe that you can wash me and just and make me whiter than snow once again. And guess what? He can. He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you don't have to hide in shame. There is you don't have to hide in the darkness. You can come to him because you belong to him. Yeah. Remember, you're a king and a priest. You're a king and a priest. Remember, yes. you're a king and a priest. There's no condemnation that 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 is to those who are in Christ. There's no condemnation. So when you think about that, what what can you build your identity on? A, a, a God who accepts you, a God who loves you and welcomes you, a God that's not going to shoo you away up. You messed up. You you did something. You did one thing, uh, one thing too many. I'm going to have to push you aside now. No, we as Matt said earlier, we don't come to the throne of judgment. We don't come to the throne of condemnation. We come to the throne of grace for those at yeah. time of need. That's why that's why he says that God God resists the proud. Who are the proud? The proud are the ones that are that are reading God their resume saying, "Well, look God, I did this and I did that and I did this and I did that, so you have to accept me because I'm a good person." He resists those people. But he gives grace to the humble, the one that comes, the, the, the one in the, the story of the Bible uh, with the uh, Pharisee that said, you know, I thank God that I'm not like this guy over here, a sinner. And he said, you know, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Have, you know, Lord, have mercy upon me. He was the one that was received. The one who was proud in the sin was not. So guess what? Uh, part of your identity. Yes, you, you, you can always come to God. Uh, and receive grace. Yes, you're a king and a priest, but you're not yeah. you're not perfected. We're not perfected yet. But you have to keep yeah. coming. Keep coming. That's the, keep coming. Yeah. Don't stop. Yeah, he's the God who stays. He's not the God who leaves every time we blow it. He's the God who stays. There's I want to get into it because we're already running out of time, Terrence. We got like ten minutes. Um According right. to my clock, at least. But I want to say a few things. Yes. There's three things that block you from God's presence. Sin consciousness, self-consciousness, Satan consciousness. When you're too conscious of self, me, and it's all about me, and how I feel, and how I look, and how I act. Sin self-consciousness will block you 
from God consciousness. Secondly, sin consciousness. Oh, God won't accept me because of this or that or because I did that or I thought that or I did that last week or whatever it is. Sin consciousness. Satan consciousness. Oh, there's a devil here. There's a devil there. You know, those three things will block the believer from being, you know, from being aware of God. But I do want to say something. Terence read Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Study those words through your Bible, saints. In Christ Jesus. It's everywhere. But there's no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. But there's two types of people in the world. Those that are in Christ Jesus and those that are in Adam. And just because we don't have a lot of time right now, I just want to say this. The church, massive unconversion in the church. And I mean the visible church. There's two churches, the invisible which is the big church, which is the one that God sees. Those are all saints. They're all converted. They all have possession with the profession. They, they have him. They're in Christ. But then you have the visible church. That's the one you see on Sundays. That's the one you see on TV. That's the one you see on YouTube. That is filled massively with people that possess, p- profess Christ, but do not possess Christ. Those people are fair game for demon power, our fair game for demon possession, oppression, whatever you want to say, and the church. But the issue comes to this. Who is the church for? The church is not for unbelievers. Are we happy when they come? Do we bless them when they come? Do you want to see them get saved? Yes, we do. But the church is not designed for unbelievers. It's designed for believers, which is why in 1 Corinthians 14 and Romans 12, in the list of the gifts of the Spirit, the ministries of the Spirit, we could go to some other texts, nowhere is there a ministry or a gifting for deliverance. Yes, in Mark 16, Jesus said, all those that believe will lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. They will cast out demons. And yes, Terrence and I, we're all for casting out demons, but you can't cast out flesh. You crucify flesh. You cast out demons. You can't cast out flesh and crucify a demon. No, you crucify your flesh, which is your sinful nature, through the Word of God, through meditation, through fasting, through discipline. Christians don't need deliverance many times. What you need is discipline. You need to get in the Word. You need to get in meditation, fast, and pray. Get brothers and sisters around you to help you, to pray for you, to intercede. Yes, there is a level of deliverance for Christians, but we're not talking about deliverance for Christians. We're talking about exorcism. When you see these videos on YouTube, profess Christians talking like a demon, the demons moving their body around, that's called possession. That's called demonized. That's called ownership. And for a born-again, blood-bought believer of Jesus Christ, you are a king and priest. You are the head and not the tail. You have been crucified with Christ. You don't even live. What's the devil going to possess? You don't live. Christ lives in you. And no one, no demon, nothing can possess Jesus Christ. In order to possess you, the devil would have to bind the strong man Before you got saved, the enemy, yes, the enemy was the strong man in your mind, your will, your emotions, your life. All you wanted to do was sin. Your desires were for sin and evil and drugs and sex and all these things. And the devil was the strong man. But a stronger than him came along. His name's Jesus Christ. And he set you free. And when he set you free, 
He bound the strong man according to scripture. And now nothing, no one, nothing, no spirit can bind the strong man. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Yes, that's true. But against rulers and principalities and powers. We cast down arguments. That's what the Bible says. We don't cast out demons from believers. We cast down arguments. Once again, we go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. We renew the mind. We be transformed by the renewing of the mind. I know we live in a microwave culture. I know you want freedom instantaneously. I know you want your deliverance instantaneously. And it does come sometimes. Sometimes God's grace will intervene and you will get set free from an addiction or a bondage in a second. But the normal, the normal run-of-the-mill Christian is going to live a process of progressive sanctification. That's daily saying no to sin. That's daily praying, even when you don't feel like it. That's daily reading your Bible. That's meditation. That's frequent fasting. These, these, these dirty words, Terrence, that nobody wants to talk about anymore, the disciplines of our faith. These are the means of grace, not a bag, not something for you to throw up in, not a garbage pail for you to do this. And even if the unbelievers that are coming into the churches in droves are getting delivered and set free from demons. Praise God if that's the case. But even then, nowhere are we told to get a bag out or a glad bag and have them throw up in a bag and all these things. If the church is for the saints and the ministry is to build up to edify the saints, tell me how seeing that, what we saw in the beginning with that little girl, edifies the saints in any way. How does that build up your spirit, man? Paul said to set your mind on heavenly things, things above, not on things below. Well, not to set our mind on the demons and be demon conscious. The main point of this entire series we're doing, Terrence, and if you and me talked about this, is the issue of emphasis. Emphasis. Where is our emphasis? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. My fear, believer, I'm talking to you now, Christian out there, my fear is that you've bought into this teaching and that you've somehow bought the lie that you are called to deliverance ministry. There is no deliverance ministry in the scripture. We all called as believers. Yes, we are called to cast out devils, but not as a ministry. Our ministry is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all things that he taught. That's the call. That's the ministry of every believer. But I talk to you, saint of God, you that have bought into this. Don't live in paranoia. Don't study the demonic. Don't trace down ancestors.com and try to figure out all these secrets of the enemy. It's Gnostic. It's the study of knowledge. It has no life. Remember what I said in the beginning, the spirit gives life. Flesh profits nothing. All I see with that video and many things on YouTube is the flesh. It's people acting out in the flesh from peer pressure, psychological manipulation, a lot of it is, um, mental illness, or either that or the unsaved. This is what I see in these, in these videos that I don't even try to watch all of them. They're sent to me half the time, but I had to watch some for this, for this series. But um, Saint, I urge you, come back to simplicity said it before, come back to prayer, obey the word, renew the mind, meditate, fast, love people, love your neighbor, love your wife, your husband, live the Christian life in simplicity, daily come to him. That's all I've got, Terrence. Well, that's good, brother. Um, again, you know, 
we've been given everything we need. The Bible says we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. I think the word puts it so plain sometimes that we 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 struggle to believe the words that are right in front of us. His divine power has given us, given you and I, everything we need for life and godliness. So what fear do we have of the kingdom of darkness? As I said earlier, we've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, far above principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. We have been given the power to an authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy. So we really don't have we really don't have to be uh, walking around in paranoia, as you said, uh, Pastor Matt. We don't have to be looking around corners. We don't have to uh, worry about uh, hearing noises in the house at nighttime. Uh, the name of Jesus, uh, actually, the name of Jesus dispels anything that would try to come. You know, Kelly made a statement uh, on here that says demons do come around her, do come around you, though. Um, and she's got a history yeah. of of being uh she she was once uh connected with uh demons and then she got saved and now uh sometimes uh she feels like she gets harassed because the enemy used to used to have her but i, I told her yeah. uh and the de- the demons may come around you but you have authority uh as as you said yeah. pastor matt uh the one inside of her is greater than the one who's in the world he who's in me is greater than he that's in the world the spirit of God is in me is the, is the strongest spirit. There's no spirit in the spirit realm that's more powerful than the Holy Spirit. So whatever demon, whatever angelic fallen angel, whatever Nephilim, whatever spirit there is, is secondary to the spirit that is inhabiting all of us as believers. So get in your word of God and begin to apply, as Matt said, it is it is it is a systematic daily uh, applying the word to your life, memorizing the word, getting it in your spirit. Read it. Hey, put it put it in your headphones at night and sleep listening to the word of God. Get the word of God in you and you will start to see darkness move out of your way. You will start to your thinking will change. Your life will change. You'll start to see things differently. You won't. Uh, you won't have fear any longer. You'll have hope, hope that you didn't have before. You won't struggle with depression. All of that is because of the word of God and the spirit of God, that powerful combination, the word and the spirit together that are in us. Know ye not, saints, know ye not, brothers and sisters, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God and the Holy Spirit dwelled in you. You have no, no, you have no, you no reason to fear the kingdom of darkness. All you have to do yeah. is speak the word of God. And and the I word, know we're the word of Jesus. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Um, I know we're almost out of time. Two things. One, we want to get people to give questions for next week's episode, next Wednesday. Any questions you have, if you believe this teaching, give us questions, anything. Nothing's a stupid question. Give us any question you want. The entire episode will be dedicated to viewer questions, questions that you have, um, things you see in the scripture that you think teaches that. Whatever it is, give it to us. We want to answer it. Secondly and lastly, um, 
two weeks ago before we started this, I was laying in bed and I kept seeing a demon in my mind's eye. I kept seeing a demon. So yes, Kelly, demons come around us. They try to, they try to scare us. They try to work through fear, deception, manipulation. They want us to think they have more power, but all I did was lay there. I prayed in tongues real softly. I prayed in the spirit. Some of you don't believe in that, but you need to. Pray in the spirit. It's a mighty weapon. It edifies the spirit. It builds up the spirit, man. So I prayed lightly in tongues, and I began to confess the word that the Bible says, draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Not he might flee. He will flee. So I said, Satan, I resist you. And he left like that. No demon power. You know, a judge on a bench doesn't have to raise their voice to to um, show their authority. If they say, not guilty, it's the same as, not guilty. It's the same authority. Either way, if they say not guilty or guilty, either you're going to jail or you're going home. Either way, the volume does not matter. So our authority in Christ is not invested in our flesh. Like I said, the flesh profits nothing. It's not in our tone or our mannerisms or how we do things. It's in a calm and gentle spirit that we have this authority in Christ. So I urge you, fear not the evil one. Jesus, um, God said, fear not, for I am with you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I promise you, nothing can come against his right hand. Can't wait till next week, Terrence. I'm excited, brother. Amen. Uh, as he said, get your uh, gather your questions for next week. Uh, any topic around identity or around uh, demonology, anything, anything that uh, you feel like you want to ask. There's no dumb question, as Matt said, and we're going to do our best to uh, to answer those questions biblically. And uh, we look forward to next week. But uh, it is time for us to sign off. It is nine oh seven by my clock. Uh, if you missed any of this, uh, it'll be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and you can go and visit and listen to this. But again, thank you for being with us tonight, and we will see you next week at 8 o'clock on The Cutting Edge. Good night.